food is one of those things, especially when you travel, that you find bonds you with other people. It, it, it opens a door for even if you don't speak the same language, you communicate. And it's just magical what you can do with food. And, you know, and it's the same thing at home. We were talking about empty nesters. Well, you know, how long has it been since you had a good conversation with your significant other about nothing but just life and things going on. Well, while you're making that food, you can talk. While you're eating that food, you can talk. I mean, that's really the only time my wife and I really have interesting conversations anymore. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about the podcast, just hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judith Banker, a previous guest. You can find out more about her at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. Well, are you an empty nester and wondering what to cook for yourself? It doesn't make sense to roast a big turkey or make a pan of lasagna anymore. So do you settle for toast, a yogurt, and maybe a spoon of Nutella thrown in? Today, we're going to speak with a classically trained chef who has worked at white tablecloth restaurants, executive dining, and finally, at the end of his career, an all-girls Catholic high school where he took school food and elevated it to an entirely new level. Welcome to the show, Chef Dennis. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here today to <laughs> talk to your listeners. Yay! We have a lot of uh, things to talk about. And one of the things that I know, I you know, I'm of the demographic that my listeners are as well. And sometimes when we're cooking for ourselves or just our partners, it can feel a little bit like, you know, I don't want to drag out the roasting pans and what, you know, uh, making a, a, a casserole or a sauce or a roast or whatever, but then it turns into a peanut butter sandwich. And I'm wondering if, you have some suggestions for people now who are um, cooking for, you know, smaller groups, maybe even just themselves, what they can do to, you know, have a decent meal without putting aside so much time and energy. Sounds, yeah, absolutely. And the way I cook, I'm an empty nester. It's my yeah. wife and myself at home and she, she just shakes her head sometimes because I'm also a chef, so I'm used to cooking in mass quantities. <laughs> <laughs> and But, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You talk about, well, there's only two of you and, I, you know, making a pan of lasagna. Well, at the restaurant, what we would do 
is we would make that pan of lasagna. We would refrigerate it, let it set, set, and then cut it into portions, wrap the portions in plastic, and save them that way. Now, same thing goes here. You put them in the freezer. And mm. all, you know, so you spend maybe an hour making that lasagna, but you'll have four meals out of it or maybe five meals out of it. And so the idea is to go ahead and make a quantity that you would have made for a bigger family, but you just get to eat it all little by little. Yeah. I mean, and it'll hold up. You wrap it. Well, it'll hold up for a good three months in your freezer. So those days that you don't feel like cooking, like I don't make a lot of things up that way. You know, one of them for me is spaghetti sauce because I love making it, but I hate making it. And <laughs> it's one of those things I, I let simmer for four or five hours. So it gets really, really good. But but then I, but I make enough. I, I buy number 10 cans still because I hate opening cans. Mm. And uh, I'll make enough that I'll freeze. And we've got enough for like six meals or seven meals out of it. And it's in the freezer those days that I'm working too much or we're out busy and we get home. And, you know, who doesn't love pasta? I know we're not supposed to eat a lot carbs anymore, especially as we get older. But, you know, pasta is a hard thing to give up. And I'll, I'll save my carbs for that. I'd rather give up mm -hmm. the bread and keep the pasta. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I like this idea of like, it's not, it's kind of when you feel like it and when time allows. Yeah. Um, and then it almost, I feel like sometimes I'll do that and I'll feel like I'm cheating. I'm like, wow, I've got this really good meal and I yeah. didn't do anything. <laughs> it, it's it's the best thing in the world. You know, another thing I make, my wife loves chicken parm. But I, you know, it's, again, a lot of work to make mm -hmm. two chicken parm. So instead of making two breaded chicken cutlets, I'll make 10. Wow. And, you know, I freeze them. And then I've got them. And, you know, you can do a lot with those other than chicken parm. You can make a little mushroom sauce for them. You can make a white sauce for them. You know, you can just cut them up. You can make a sandwich out of them. I mean, there's so much you can do. So it's, again, it's, it's almost this. And in the restaurant, we would do this working smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little bit of bulk work at one time, but you're saving yourself all that work when it comes time to dinner, you know, like three or four nights times after that. So, you know, again, it's it's only certain things I do it with. It's not like I have a huge freezer stocked with this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. other, other than that, you know, then you've got your couple portions. Like last night, I, I marinated some chicken thighs and I grilled them and we had a little risotto. So it was a pretty easy meal. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking also of people who are cost conscious. Sometimes you can see what's on sale maybe yeah. and then say, I'm going to make a whole bunch of that. Um, or what's in season. Um, and we talked a little bit off mic about seasonal foods yep. and also farmers markets. What are your what are your thoughts about that? I love farmers markets. And you know, I'm part of the problem I think with our eating habits is, you know, we were meant to eat what was in season and what was local. As things progressed with our way to, to transport food and because we want something that we want, uh, we're getting food from parts of the world that it's, it's local there then. You know, it's, it's growing season there, but not where we are. So we're eating things during parts of the year where probably our bodies shouldn't be eating. I see. You know, it's, it's that whole butter thing too. Like people think butter's bad for you. No, butter is 
good for you if you eat a pound of it at a time. Yeah, it's bad for you. But <laughs> but butter was meant to be eaten during the cold months when you needed to put fat on your body to help keep you warm. You know, mm. fat helps insulate your joints. You know, like butter is good for that because you need that fat to keep your joints moving and to keep everything insulated. So we have taken the whole thing and just it's more of a what do I want as opposed to what do I need kind of philosophy now. And what are what we want, <clears throat> excuse me, can get us into trouble because we know our body's prime for sugar and fat and mm -hmm. salt. But that's I guess that's a a rabbit hole we don't <laughs> need to go in right now because I'm I'm more interested in sort of your take on um, <clears throat> cooking for smaller portions yeah. now. Do you find that your approach to cooking has changed since you've gotten older? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, in my younger days, I was inspired by a gentleman named Graham Kerr. He was a oh. galloping gourmet. Yes. And he was once touted as the most dangerous man in America by the American Heart Association. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> because butter and cream, butter and cream, everything had it. And... Um, to an extent where, you know, he actually almost lost his wife because of it, and he changed his eating habits entirely to a more healthier style. Uh, and as I got older, you know, I, I get to realize that, you know, I need to take a little bit better care of my body, and I need to watch the kind of fats that I'm consuming. Again, it doesn't mean eliminating fat. It means watching what you're using. Mm -hmm. and, and at one point, I switched over to olive oil almost completely, extra virgin olive oil. I keep corn oil. Now, I don't like soy oil, mm -hmm. not because it's bad for you, but we have soy in so many things. Mm -hmm. And it's cheap. Yes. Uh, canola oil worries me. And, and it's it's like one molecule away from being plastic sometimes. Oh, my goodness. You know, you know it's just, you know, they make it from something that it could be toxic, but when they refine it, it's not toxic. Oh, goodness. So... You know, mm. So I stick with something, you know, and I know corn can get a bad rap and general, you know, genetically modified and all that stuff, but at least mm -hmm. it's still corn. So, and I don't use it for much other than baking. Um, I see. So you use corn oil, not canola. I see. It's so confusing for us. Yeah. I mean, and I'm somebody who is somewhat knowledgeable about this as an eating disorder, you know, mm -hmm. professional, but... You know, the who knows? I mean, one day it's only canola. No, yeah. don't eat canola. Don't eat butter. And literally, and then yeah. coconut oil was supposed to save us. Yes. And then some people said, no, that's bad. I mean, it is literally impossible, I think, to yeah. really understand what's healthful. How do you, what's the system that you use to try to navigate this? Well, you know, I, I have some friends that are very knowledgeable and, uh, what foods are good for you. You know, there's always the dirty dozen in terms of organic that you mm -hmm. follow. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to additives or what they're what they're packed in, to be honest with you. Are they PABA free? Do they have mm -hmm. do they have these toxins? You know, is you know, everything pre-made has its time and place. I will never tell you don't buy that spaghetti sauce, make your own. You know, if you don't have time, there's a lot of good spaghetti sauces out there. But my friend Leah Segedy just mentioned all these different spaghetti sauces, natural, organic, that had toxins in them. 
So, you know, so who do you, who do you trust? Who, who do you do know? You, trust? you know, so you do the best you can. And I always tell people, you know, uh, they'll say, I can't afford to buy organic all the time. I says, that's fine. I can't, I don't buy organic all the time either, but pick your battles. Like berries should be organic. Apples should be organic. Try and find some things, you know, that really will make a big impact in your mm-hmm. life and what you eat. And, and again, it's going back to like, there's only two of us now. You're not buying the quantity. So it, it won't seem as expensive as it was when you were feeding, you know, three or four kids and to who, little Johnny who's eaten, you know, six yeah. meals a day yeah. after lacrosse practice. Yeah. yeah. Like mom, that bag of apples was really good. Where <laughs> are you having any more? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and when it's just the two of you, you'll buy a, a little half pint of organic blackberries and you'll have them for breakfast for a couple days with Mm. your yogurt or whatever you're eating. Um, Yeah. So the same goes with some of the better qualities. Like I have gone and it's funny. I've gone to grass fed pasture raised is, is the key word here. Pasture raised, because that means the animals are actually out in the pasture. Um, And I've gone to those kind of meats simply because they're, healthier they're raised a little better and they're allowed to be animals mm-hmm. uh, you know humanely raised we, we're allowing them to be the animals because the last thing i want to do is eat crazy meat you know it's like mm-hmm. you know we talked about it off offline a little bit about pig, uh, pigs about how bad they're treated mm-hmm. and but when i first started eating it it was because I, I was buying chicken and chicken didn't taste like chicken anymore. Oh. And I'm thinking if chicken doesn't taste like chicken, everything else does, but chicken doesn't, there's something wrong. So I started buying, you know, free range at the time was the key word. You know, then I learned that free range could just mean that they might have access to it. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a door there. Yes. Basically, that's what it was. They can mm-hmm. go in and out if they want. Yeah. Yeah. So. The correct term then has to be pasture-raised. Pasture-raised. Pasture-raised, yeah. It sounds like you have a real – it's not only because it doesn't taste quite right, but you have an appreciation for the humane aspect. Well, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a vegan or an advocate against not eating meat. I, I don't eat as much beef as I used to because my body can't digest it as well as it used to. But I, I think, you know, we need to treat animals, you know, give them some sense of, of actually allowing to live some type of happy life and treat them humanely when we slaughter them. It's it's all part to part of just being a decent human being and a resident of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, we share we share with them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that most chefs have that perspective? I you know, I think Going back, if, if you ask them deep down, there's a good portion of them that res- want to respect, especially the newer chefs. Mm-hmm. They respect the chain of where the food is coming from, the, the where they're getting products from. They're, they're more concerned with where their products are coming from. That's what really reinvigorated me about the new line of chefs that are out there that are with their open kitchens, with their buying, they're going to farmer's markets, they're Mm -hmm. shopping, you know, for humanely raised meats, they're going for local producers. Uh, It it just is a, it's a better way of eating and a better way of serving, preserving the environment 
and, and, and keeping us more in line with nature. And, you know, again, I talked about we eat, are supposed to eat things that are in season and that are local. It, it mm-hmm. comes back down to that. It's local foods are always what your body is going to respond best to. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. We're a yeah. person in our environment. Are you looking to add more joy, more vibrancy, and more fun into your life? Then join us at the Wild and Wise Women Over 50 Masterclass Series launching July 4th. I'll be speaking on zestful aging, and the guest lineup is incredible. Some of the topics include not just surviving, but thriving through menopause, finding out what it means to live audaciously and zestfully, learning to dress Italian style, letting your fabulously natural silver locks shine, and managing your hormones so that they don't manage you. Come and learn from the experts in this 14-day masterclass series that promises to be both fun and enlightening. This all starts July 4th, and you can register for free. And uh, you'll find the link right in the show notes and on my website, zestfulaging.com, under Products I Love. Hope to see you there. So that leads me to think you might appreciate a home garden. Oh, uh, yeah, I would if I... I <laughs> If, if I could hire someone to work it for me, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chef Dennis doesn't garden. Uh huh. No, I um I I grew up on a little bit of a small farm. My father had been a military man, and when we got out, his he had always wanted to have a, a garden. And you know, my no stretch of the imagination was it a huge farm, but we had three decent sized fields that we would plant. And uh, my mother was a nurse, but she would. She learned how to preserve foods, how to freeze them, and we mm-hmm. would have fresh vegetables and fruits all during the winter that she put away. And again, you know, at that time, we didn't have a lot of money either, so it was helpful in those terms of growing our own foods. Um, but I had enough of that growing up. Because <laughs> you were the weeder? Or were I you the family the, weeder? I was the weeder. I was the picker. I was mm. the, you know, it was... Um, I remember going out to cultivate. My mother found a, a field of wild asparagus. My father loved asparagus. Oh, wow. And we picked us, and we had permission to pick it from the owner. Yeah, we, yeah. We picked asparagus for hours. And I says, I will help you if I don't have to eat it. You know? Because oh. <laughs> I didn't have an appreciation for asparagus back then. I mean, what kid does? It's, oh, yes. It's, you know, it's something you have to really train them in, teach them early that it's, it's asparagus is good. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, yeah, we would we would do things and go out to apple orchards and pick our own orchards. That was before it was the thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. now picking your own apples is really stylish. You know, it's yeah, like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a place in upstate New York that's very popular. It's called Beacon Skiff, mm-hmm. and they have a traffic cop on the nice weekends in the late summer and the fall because it is so crowded. You literally think you're going to like a Grateful Dead concert. Oh my god! And um, you know, and it's apple country up here yeah. and they're oh, yeah. delicious but boy that sort of uh you know takes the the charm off well you know, when you're in a traffic jam yes definitely changes the things but when we moved to florida it was like oh let's go pick some oranges mm-hmm. and when we got there there was a sign that says to watch out for snakes and this particular brand of spider that burrowed into your skin oh 
And I looked at a sign. He says, or you can just buy them here. And I went, I think we're just going to buy them oh, over there. Gosh. And yeah, we have that with, I, I'm a, I'm a pick your own person from way back. And they have these little flags where the gopher holes are, and yeah. then there's bees. And oh, then, yeah. you know, it's not for the faint of heart. No, no. Although blueberries are really easy because there's oh, no yeah. thorns and they're, they're just so delicious. Oh God. I used to pick blackberries as a kid. I love those. Ooh. They, were, they were wonderful. What are some of your favorite chefs these days? Oh. You know, I, I don't watch a lot of TV chefs, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I just don't spend my time doing that. Uh, I used to love uh, Nigella. Nigella was one of my oh. – because she had such passion about mm -hmm. what she cooked. Mm -hmm. You know, there were other chefs like – I love Giada because she was beautiful, but I, I don't mm. know how good her stuff really was. <laughs> you know? But when it comes down to like passion and foods, you know, I actually had some of Nigella's cookbooks – and uh, mm -hmm. her stuff was really good. It was spot on. And mm. she was always my favorite. I mean, Graham Kerr, though, going back, he like he, he was your main, oh, your yeah. main guy. He just, I looked at him and he was having such a good time. He, that accent was wonderful. And then he'd mm -hmm. bring people from the audience and they would moan when they mm. ate, they ate them. <laughs> so I'm going, you know, back then I'm like, I just knew that was like, Almost like being a, was, a god, you know, a food god. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit of a celebrity. Yeah, so. Is there that, someone you'd most like to cook for who you think would really appreciate your, your work? Uh, you know, I, I love cooking for anyone that wants to sit down to eat. Um, I, at one point, we had planned, before COVID, we had planned on renting uh, an apartment in, uh, in Italy in Verona, actually, and I was going to invite any blogger that was in the area to come ah, by. Oh, my gosh. And make dinner for them. And I was going to film a little of it and, and you know, use it for, for me and for just production. But just to have people come over, I didn't necessarily have to even know them. Because food is one of those things, especially when you travel, that you find bonds you with other people. It, it, it opens a door for even if you don't speak the same language, you communicate. And it's just magical what mm -hmm. you can do with food. And, you know, and it's the same thing at home. We were talking about empty nesters. Well, you know, how long has it been since you had a good conversation with your significant other about nothing but just life and things going on? Well, while you're making that food, you can talk. While you're eating that food, you can talk. I mean, that's really the only time my wife and I really have interesting conversations anymore, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it'll, and it'll be about maybe what we saw in the news that day or, or just philosophical things or whatever happened to have come up. And, uh, it, it's just a good time to reconnect and it, it kind of reestablishes that bond or, you know, why you really love that person or why you're really with that person. You know, you mm -hmm. have this common tie with them and it's over food. It's always There's over food. There's intimacy there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. It's so much more than obviously feeding our bodies. Oh, yeah. Feeding our soul. It's, it ties mm -hmm. hand in hand. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite meal? Uh, I love good seafood and mm. uh, as a chef i would create dishes with multiple kinds of seafood in them so i, I love pasta we've already mm. established that 
So I, uh, my wife loves clams. Oh, um, oh boy. Mussels. Mm. Um, I'm shrimp. thinking garlic and parsley oh, yeah. and butter. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Or, you know, again, like clams is one of the easiest meals you'll ever make in your life. And every grocery store pretty much sells these uh, farmed clams now. And they're really pretty good. You know, of course, you'll get a stinky bag every now and then. And a lot of times mm-hmm. it's just because one clam has gone bad in the bag. I but, see. But, you know, they shouldn't smell. So pick them up, sniff it. If it smells, ask them for another bag or look at the dates on the bag. Every bag is supposed to have a little uh, tag that says where they were farmed from and what the date was they came out of the water. And uh, it can be a week old. The clams stay pretty good. The only thing is they start to lose moisture inside so your sauce won't be as, as juicy. But, uh, but clams, take a little chopped garlic, olive oil, pinch of crushed red pepper, let that saute for a minute, dump it. Well, you have to wash the clams, rinse them and rinse them and rinse them and rinse them to get rid of the, any grit or dirt. And then once they're done and rinsed, then dump them in the pan with the olive oil and garlic and crushed red pepper, cover it. Mm-hmm. And about eight minutes later, it's done. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you got to do. And it makes its own, like, liqueur. Yes. Uh, all the juice in the clams. Oh, and, boy. And it is um, – oh, a fresh chopped basil. and, and oh, add you, little, oh, basil. Okay. Yeah, I like basil. You could use parsley. Either mm-hmm. way you want to go is fine. Ch- chopped mm. Italian parsley or basil. Um, or a mix and, even. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. serve it over your pasta. And, oh, she loves it. <laughs> she loves it. Oh, so, that's so that's so nice to be able. I mean, that's such a good example yeah. of something that you can whip up pretty quickly. Oh, and the time it takes, the pasta will take longer to cook. The only time-consuming aspect of it here is rinsing the clams because mm-hmm. I let them soak for about five minutes and then I'll dump it and then I'll rinse them and then I'll rinse them just to get all, see. all the dirt and grit. You know, it depends too if it had rained or the water was rough recently they dig into mud so there'll be more in oh, it oh wow yeah and, and the whole trick is if you're opening a bag if the clam is open throw it away it's mm. dead mm. okay okay if um that's the whole big thing that's the only thing you have to watch out for and the same thing with mussels mussels take a little bit longer to cook they'll open like when clams open they're done when a mussel opens it still needs to cook a little bit longer okay uh, um, okay but I'll buy like a bag of them, a bag of mussels. I'll have some shrimp in the freezer. And then I will take, a, you know, six or seven shrimp, a dozen clams, a dozen mussels, and I'll cook them all together. And depending whether I want a white sauce with just oil and garlic and maybe some white wine. And if I need a little stock, you know, I can put a little liquid in there. But a lot of times the clams and the mussels add enough to it. Mm-hmm. Or if I want to add some red sauce to it, I got a red sauce one now. If maybe they had some nice crab meat on sale, I'll buy some crab meat and throw wow. a handf- handful of that in. So you see where I'm going. Yeah, you know, I see where I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> so, so, I mean, if you buy a, a bag of each of the clams and mussels, you can make three or four different meals. Wow. Or you can steam what's left over, freeze them. And use them for soup later if you want to make a seafood soup. Oh my goodness! Like we take all, I take all the little leftovers. Like if we don't finish our salmon or we don't finish our flounder, and there's a portion that hasn't been touched, it goes into a Ziploc bag uh, with any other fish pieces that I may have trimmed off while I was preparing them. Goes into the freezer, and then when I have enough, I make a seafood soup out of everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, cooking for the two of us, and then if I make enough of it. 
that there's enough for maybe like three batches, I freeze two of them. Yeah, I love the way that just sort of, it, it kind of piggybacks on itself. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. I would love to hear uh, the story of the Catholic girls school. Would you share that? That sounds so fun. <laughs> it was, it was one of those things I never imagined doing. I was working in business dining and I actually had had my second carpal tunnel surgery on my right hand. And I went out and when I came back, my boss was gone. And I called him at home and said, you know, Michael, what happened? Where'd you go? He goes, oh, I'm working for this other company now. Um, in fact, I got a job for you. I says, yeah, where? He goes, in Flower Town. And I went, Flower Town? I'm not going to Flower Town. <laughs> you know, but did not know it was flour as in bread. I'm thinking it was flour as in hippie. Oh, you know? oh, oh. <laughs> Is yeah. this New Jersey or no, Florida? This no, was, this was Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, this was right outside of Chestnut Hill, uh -huh. uh, right at, which is outside of Philadelphia. Okay. So I'm like, oh, no, it's a school? Are you kidding me? So I drive out. She goes, go out there. Just go out there and talk to them. So he made the appointment for me, and I drove out there, and it's like, oh, God, no, driving <laughs> through the woods to get here at this road. <laughs> Lincoln Drive, if anyone has ever been out there, it bends and curves and goes around and up oh, and down. Through, and I get there, and I'm like, oh, I go into the – they show me the kitchen. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I look at the stock rooms. I go, who in their right minds put these things in here? I'm like, we had wooden shelves in the pot room. They had these ugly plastic – shelves in the in the stock rooms and I'm looking at it going, oh God, no, what hell am I in? What fresh hell is this? <laughs> and I sit down and uh, the the nun the, the president was a nun and the principal was a nun and they're saying, Yeah, we're you know, we've gone over your resume. You're so qualified. You look like you'd be a perfect fit for us. And I'm thinking, how am I gonna say this? And she goes, And you work 165 days a year and I looked up and said, oh. Well when would you when would you like me to start? <laughs> goodness so that's what did it knowing that yeah. oh yeah oh my goodness so was this a, a boarding school or no. a day school was a day school and it was a, it was mount saint joseph's academy uh -huh. and it was a very prestigious all girls high school it was 600 600 high school girls 150 in each class and every one of them went to college Oh, my goodness. So it was one of those kind of schools. And mm -hmm. it, they had blue collar. They had white collar. You know, they had two um, tuitions were given as uh, scholarships. Uh, it's a big mix of girls. And they all took care of each other. They all mm. watched out for each other. They had a, a really cool program when they started. A junior would be paired with a freshman. So they were like their little sisters. Yes. So that meant they had that little sister thing going on for two years. And then when those girls were juniors, they were given freshmen. So it was really, really a neat community. The girls were just incredible. They were friendly. They were smart. They were beautiful. They were athletic. They were talented. They, they did stage shows that you thought you were off Broadway. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they were just amazing. And, and they were so nice. They were all so nice. You know, you get an occasional one that was like, mm, okay, I can do without you. But um, mm -hmm. for the most part, they were just really wonderful. And it was a match made in heaven because 
girls love to eat. I will let you in a little secret. Ah. <laughs> and when there's no boys around, they really love to eat. <laughs> And they would curse me and love me at the same time because as they're undoing a button on their skirt because it doesn't fit anymore, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, what are you doing to me, Dennis? And then there were girls that were just we, – we just kind of really got along. And there was one that used to come and throw her bag into my office and go, they're looking for me. I'll come get this later because she was late to school. Oh, my gosh. So she would hide her bag in my room. I go, okay. <laughs> what are we going to say? <laughs> no, you can't do that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So you really became integrated in this community. Yeah, and a because, part of it because I fed them. Again, uh-huh. that 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 bond, that bond that makes brings people together. I fed them. I nourished them. I was kind to them. Mm-hmm. I, I would get parents call and they would say, you know, they would say, oh. We really have to thank you. Our daughter was beside herself because she got a B minus in her test. <laughs> she was crying all day, and she came into the the cafeteria, and my staff was just wonderful. The ladies that worked were just amazing, and she was, she was treated so nicely. And I think one of the girls gave her something. Didn't even just say, "Here, honey, go oh take my this." God, it's like mental health therapy. Yeah, and they knew it was their safe zone. Where they could come and get cookies or get yeah. chicken, you know, chicken marsala for lunch today. I had one parent call me hysterical. Oh, my daughter came home from school. She said, "I said, you hungry?" She goes, "No, I had lunch." She goes, "So what'd you have? Chicken marsala?" Goes, That's what I made for dinner. And guess what? Yours was better. <laughs> Oh my goodness! This sounds like a a lovely book that that needs to be written. Well, you know, it got to the point where. It was they, – they painted a mural of me on the wall. Oh, of, my goodness. Of, of all this food. Uh, like they had sheep made out of cauliflower and all these different food animals in this lake. And I was in the middle of the lake in a rowboat, uh, which would speak volumes by itself. <laughs> if they, they had no idea. <laughs> you, know, you know, paddling like crazy. Um, but, yeah, that was just a really good relationship. And then about four years into the program or into the, uh, my time there, the fourth year – I just got so tired of hiring temps. They were like the bottom of the barrel. And mm. one girl had asked if she could help me with a function because she, she was there. She didn't have anything to do. She was bored. She goes, Chef Dennis, can I help you with something? And I said, sure. I said, let me give you an apron. and get put a cutting glove on you. Let me show you how to cut this. And we talked and had a good time. And the light bulb went off and went, I need to train my own staff. Uh-huh. So the next year I started a culinary program. With the kids in the school? Yes. With me not being working for the school, but being just, you know, uh, a contractor with the food food program. You know, we, I worked for Compass Group um, right. and uh, coming in there. And I says, I need to start training my own staff, you know. So I will give my time. I will get supplies for them. I will feed them. I had 60 girls sign up the first year. Unbelievable. And most of them didn't stay. I ended with 11 girls at the end of the year. They were all freshmen because the older ones, as much as they really wanted to do it, they just couldn't fit it into their schedule. I see. They had so much. And I required a commitment. I wasn't letting them just come and go when they felt like it. Uh, that was a serious thing. Yeah, it was serious. And mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't, you know, you just want to come make something and eat that day. No, because you have to come to class. You have to come to class. So they came and we learned and uh, – after four, oh, the biggest thing was well, I finally got tired of them. They would they would take my arm and they go, "Oh, chef, 
maybe after real school, we'll go to the culinary. I'm like, the culinary is a real school. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) So I took them to the CIA up in Hyde Park. (laughs) Yes. They got off the bus and their mouths just hit the ground. It was like, oh, my God. They had no idea. So, But I told them, I don't want you to go to the culinary. I just got tired of hearing them say it. Mm -hmm. So we took a bus trip. (laughs) But – but I, I wanted them to see. I, I was trying to teach them. The only thing I wanted them to learn was to learn that food was not rocket science. It's something that's very easy to make at home. It's dishes you can prepare with your family, with your friends. You can use it as a way to connect with people. And there's nothing mystical about it. And, and the biggest thing I always tell them, like uh, in classes, what I would do was uh, if I didn't have time to prepare, because I still had to work all day besides getting ready for their class, I would just take them in the walk in and say, oh, let's see what we have. What do you want to make? Uh, what, do you, uh-huh. what ingredient do you want to use? And they tell me, what ingredient do you want to use? So we would just pull different ingredients uh-huh. out, of the ref- out of the refrigerator and go and make and show them how to put them together. Uh-huh. And that's how we would create something. One of our biggest dinners at the end of the year, I had bought salmon and I didn't know what to do with it. I says, all right, let's let's go in the stock room and see what we got. So someone says, how about this green matcha tea? I says, yeah, we can work with that and something else. So I made a green matcha tea salmon that was just freaking phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, the, the tea pulled all the color out of it, which had me a little worried when I saw it was like pale, really pale. I'm like, oh my God, what did I do to it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what garnishes are for, right? Yeah, but it was delicious. It was wow. really, really good. I, had, I have not had that combination. Yeah. Well, that was the only, I think I made it once after that. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was teaching them. And this is what, especially as empty nesters, you need to do at home. Okay, you want to stock certain things in your pantry so you have maybe a canned tomatoes. Okay. Uh, canned artichokes, uh, say maybe some cannellini beans, uh, some pastas, some uh, some tomato paste, uh, different things that you might find useful in something you're just going to throw together because maybe you have things in your refrigerator that you can use up or something in your freezer you can use up, but you might want to add a little something else to it to uh, to to change its appearance, to change the flavor, to change the profile so it's not boring, so it's not the same. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, learn to put things. And, and I tell people, too, like with my recipes, you know, I, I do a lot of – I don't have a lot of recipes that take a lot of time because I don't have time. Why would mm-hmm. I expect anyone else to? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I can do it faster and I'm good at it. But, I mean, for mm-hmm. someone just making dinner at home, I can't expect them to spend an hour – cooking dinner it should take 10 minutes to 30 minutes you know sometimes dragging into an hour but you know in that short time unless it's something that goes into the oven for a while Mm -hmm. or sits on the stove for three hours but Mm -hmm. really that's not work then it's just management time management uh so, you know, a lot of my recipes would be done in 20 minutes, 30 minutes. That's And your blog is incredible. It well, thank is you. so uh, comprehensive. So many recipes. Talk a little bit about your blog and your blogging because sure. that's where you've really it sounds like things have really exploded for you. Oh, absolutely. And and again, that came from the culinary class. I I decided I needed a place for my students to go. So I went to the IT department and she helped me set up a blog and, you know, it's just, it was a 
something that was a work in progress for years. Uh, and, and especially when we moved to Florida and I retired, I had more time to spend with it and on social media. So uh, I just learned it's a, it's a matter of um, I was very fortunate to find friends all over the world. And I was on Google Plus back in the day, and, and I drank the Kool Aid. I was a pluser. I was I just, <laughs> oh, I had I had found my tribe. Mm. These were these were my people. Mm-hmm. I had a friend in Greece. I had a friend in Italy. I had a friend in England. Ah. I had friends all over, and these were my people. And um, I just kind of learned more about how to run a blog, about SEO. You know, my, my one joke was on a good day, I can spell SEO. <laughs> yeah. I have since really, not that I'm proficient, but I have learned a lot you, about you, it. You really know how to talk to the algorithm. I, I do. And on things that I don't, I have a very good friend who takes care of it for me. You know, I have, I have learned to hire people to do things that I do not enjoy mm-hmm. or that I'm not good at. And that's worked out well, and I always suggest that to other bloggers. But, you know, the blog is a business, and it's – I tell people it's like painting a bridge. When you get to the end, you got to start all over because Mm -hmm. things have changed. Mm -hmm. And it's the ability to adapt and to change is what has kept me moving in the upward direction that has kept me uh, ranking higher and higher each year. In, in, uh, in blogs. Some, I look at this one and some days I'm ahead of the pioneer woman and I just shake my head and go, oh, wow. I, I can't believe that. Yeah, <laughs> you've arrived. <laughs> I mean, when Google, Google was the one that spoiled me. They had me on a follow page with Anthony Bourdain, Rachel Ray, Martha Stewart, oh, Amber Lagasse, Chef wow. Dennis. Oh, and I my was like, goodness. But I was using their platform the way they wanted it used. Mm. I was using doing live shows. I was doing all these things with with how they wanted it, so that they rewarded me for it. I see. But uh, yeah, the blog has been a work in progress. And one of the things I decided when I started blogging was that all of my recipes must be entirely intact, easy to understand, not leaving any ingredients out. Because you know, chefs in the old days were like, "You want my recipe? I don't think so." <laughs> no. No. The, the new chefs, though. I'll ask for recipes. They've got them printed out here. No problem. Oh, wow. Because they know it's not going to be as good as theirs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's not so much even bragging. It's sourcing ingredients. Okay. Okay. It's just the process of cooking that they have refined. That I will do something a little different. Mm-hmm. You will do something a little different. But a lot of it comes down to sourcing. And when we talked about that a little bit too was – Finding the right ingredients um, and and being able to get them. The, the uh, COVID was terrible, but in some ways it was very good because it, I was so busy with social media and other things, I had forgotten that I liked to cook. And when COVID hit, I was forced to cook. We were going out way too much and I was forced mm-hmm. to cook. And after a while, I goes, you know, I really like this. I forgot. I really like this. And I'd, I'd make things for us, and I was ordering food online. I found uh, some great seafood from Alaska. I was getting Cooper River salmon. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's expensive, but again, you're talking about two portions. Also, so, if that's where you want to put your money, and, yeah. you know, that's what you enjoy. Yeah. 
you know, maybe you're not going to buy expensive watches or whatever, no. <laughs> whatever yeah. the other uh, options are. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I mean, I get a new computer every couple of years. That's my big, ex or a new camera every five years. That's my expenditure. Mm. And that's all basically for business at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I treated myself, I think it was about three years ago, and I finally bought all clad pants. Uh, mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about what your favorite yeah. pen. Those are from Pennsylvania. Is yeah. that right? I think so. Yeah. They're, the, they are U.S. Boy, are they heavy duty. <laughs> They're heavy. My wife is – I recently had back surgery, so I can't lift a lot. So she's going, uh, these pants are heavy. <laughs> yeah, they really are and lovely. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I really, I really like them. You can't, you can't beat them into submission. They just bounce right back. Mm -hmm. um, knives. Uh, I found a company called Meeson who started like on Kickstarter, and they're not expensive. Um, I know, think I have a bread knife from them. From Meeson, yeah, I have a bread knife. I have a chef's knife. I have okay. a paring knife. Uh, I actually have two sets because I have one at each house now. And same thing with all clad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, again, it's not people will say, oh, don't you use a Wustoff or you mm -hmm. know, this, this, I spent $400 on my chef's knife. Well, let me tell you, I have carpal tunnel. I can't feel all of my hand. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, it, you know, the, if the weight feels good in my hand and I can use it, it's a good knife. Mm -hmm. All knives need to be sharpened at one point. I don't care what they tell you. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know. I always tell people, you know, buy a good knife. It doesn't have to be $400. Mm -hmm. Buy yourself a $50 knife sharpener, and when it gets dull, sharpen it. Mm -hmm. you yep. know, and then you're in business again. Uh, so I don't – I'm not one of those people. But, you know, if that's what you like to do, go for it. <laughs> if that's your joy in life, mm -hmm. buy those $400, $600 knives. You know, you're, you deserve it. If that's what you like to do, you deserve it. I read something funny about uh, people in America have love, love buying cookbooks. Oh, yeah. And But we eat out more than we <laughs> eat in. So, you know, maybe you have this fully stocked kitchen, but maybe you only need a chef's knife and a yeah. couple pots. You, you really don't. Someone just wrote to me yesterday and they wanted to know what a minimalist kitchen would need. And I told them uh, an eight-quart stock pot for cooking pasta, soups, or anything else you might need. You know, you want to go just a little bit larger so you don't have to have more of them. A, uh, a 10 or a 12-inch saute pan because, again, bigger because then you can cook more in it if you have to. You can always cook less in it. Mm -hmm. And and then like a three-quart sauce pot. Okay, you can make potatoes. You know, if you're feeding a couple people, you can make potatoes for two, vegetables for two, you mm -hmm. know, depending on, on what you want to do. And if that's your only pot and you want to have green beans and mashed potatoes, well, cook the green beans ahead of time, put them on the side, and make your mashed potatoes and then throw the green beans in your saute pan and heat them back up with a little oil and seasonings and then serve them nice. with your entree. So, But, I mean, three pans, you know, you don't need a lot of things. People love these new air fryers. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they're really good for, for minimalist space and especially for people cooking for just two. If you think of them in terms of like the old uh, toaster oven kind of things we had, those – my mother loved hers, and I never understood why. Well, it was easy to use for one person. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. You know, heat up a piece of pizza. Yeah. You know, right. or, you know, it does multiple things. So, again, whatever works for you. I, I'm not against anything if it works for you. Mm-hmm. Tell us where uh, our listeners can find out more, Chef Dennis, because there's so much in your blog, and we didn't even – 
touch into your travels uh, and your cooks and you know cooking internationally but i think at this point they would like to see for themselves um so where can they find you I'm pretty easy to find. I am askchefdennis.com. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty much Ask Chef Dennis on all social media. And mm -hmm. um, you'll find my email on my website. You can respond, ask questions. Like if you make something and have a question, you can just leave a comment under it in the recipe. And I do check them and I try to answer every comment. So, um I'm pretty accessible. Yeah, you are. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about the world of your world of of cooking and what you love to do. And I loved your story of the Catholic oh. day school. That is just I mean, it sounds like a little film. It was. You know? It was fun. It sounds super sweet. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.